Hello, and welcome back to Graceful Answers Ministries. Today, we are going to talk about something that I really struggled with for a very long time. Um, I spent years digging into this topic, and I want to save you the time that I took researching and studying and learning and buying a lot of different versions of the Bible. I want to help you figure out what is the best version of the Bible for you and why there's so many different versions, what the difference is between all of these versions. Um, so let's get started. So first of all, let's talk about why are there so many different versions of the Bible? If you look behind me over here, I've got nearly two full bookshelves full of Bibles, including these over here. So I've got tons of different versions of the Bible. Why? Why are there different versions? Well, to understand that, we have to go back in time, and we have to go back in time to when they were originally written. And let's think about what is our goal for a Bible translation? Are we wanting something that reflects the doctrines we like, or are we trying to get back to the original message that was originally written down by the people who wrote the Bible? Obviously, that's what we're trying to do. Well, the problem is, they were written in different languages. The Old Testament was written in Hebrew and a little Aramaic, which is related to Hebrew. It's, it's similar. And then the New Testament is written in Greek, Koine Greek, common Greek from the time that everybody spoke. And there are a couple Aramaic words in the New Testament, but for the most part, it's Koine or common Greek from the time. It was, it was meant for understanding. It was not written in high language or written in a language that only the elite understood or knew it was it was written for everybody it was meant to be it was meant to be read and understood okay now there are some problems then translating hebrew is a little bit easier when it comes to nuance than it is translating the greek which is why i focus my studies in greek greek has far more nuance than English does. And before we translated the Bible into English, people really worried that we wouldn't be able to, that it wouldn't be as accurate because Greek has so much nuance to it. It really is very cool. So each time it's translated, someone has to make choices and decisions. All right, and as we discover new manuscripts, as we discover new old manuscripts, we want to make sure that we're using the most correct version of the Bible that we possibly can. We are trying to get accuracy to the original. And there are scholars called textual critics who take all of the different papyri and scrolls and writings and they, they organize them into families and they can trace it back to who was the original of this and how old it is and how close it was to the time of Jesus and they can trace it and the more we have the better they can do that and so the more we discover the more accurate our versions are going to become so discovery as things are discovered we're going to need to update our versions to be the most accurate now none of these discoveries are going to change the overall meaning or any important doctrine it's just going to make it a little bit more more precise and that's what we want 
Okay. Now, another reason there's so many versions is the culture and the language has changed so much since it was written. And as we learn more about these ancient cultures, we can more accurately understand the things they're trying to say. Unfortunately, another reason we have so many versions of the Bible is the almighty dollar. When a version of the Bible is copyright, when someone copyrights their version, their translation of the Bible, they get a team together, a team of scholars, and they take the original uh, papyri and they, they organize them and they take the greatest minds and they figure out how to translate it. They copyright that version and then they publish it, right? Well, if someone else wants to publish that version of the Bible, they're going to have to pay that company who originally had the copyright. And so different companies will hire their own scholars to create their own translation to avoid having to pay for copyright. Um, so we've talked about what the original Bible was like, that it was written in a common language. It was written in the language that everybody used. It was meant to be understood by everybody. Um, and they used idioms. Have you all ever heard of idioms? My grandfather used a lot of idioms. I feel like the farther south you go, the more idioms there are in language. It's raining cats and dogs, things like that. People would understand that today. And those in ancient Hebrew and ancient Greece, uh, people, <laughs> people who wrote the Old Testament and the New Testament understood that as well. And they had their own idioms that everybody understood. Okay. So before, as we talk about the, as we talk about the different Bible versions, we're going to talk about different methodology. Those who are translating the Bible have a choice. They have a choice to go word for word or thought for thought. And what that means is word for word translations are trying to get as close to the original Greek structure of the sentence as possible, trying to get word for word, just like it says. Those who are thought for thought are trying to say, okay, what did this mean back then? And how can I express that best today? And then on the extreme end are paraphrase who take that thought for thought concept and go really far with it. They say, well, I want to best express what I think they meant by it. it paraphrase aren't really translations as much as they are commentary on what the person thinks that they're trying to say. So first of all, I would say avoid paraphrase as your primary source. Um, then when we talk about the different versions of the Bible, we have to talk about the age of the manuscripts that they're using. For example, when the King James Bible was written in 1611, they only had access to about six Greek sources. Six. That's not a lot. That's not a lot. Um, and as, as more sources were discovered later on, we've been able to discover different, we've been able to get closer to the truth. We've been able to get closer to the original. And so we need to keep that in mind that as we make new discoveries, as the scholars get closer and closer to the original, that we need to focus on our goal. Our goal is to get as close to the original as possible and not, not to tradition. Don't let tradition stand in the way of getting as close to the word of God as possible, right? 
Okay, so some of the versions we're going to talk about today are the King James Version, the New King James Version, the RSV, the NRSV, the NASB, ESV, HCSB, NIV, NLT, Living Bible Message, New World Translation, NIRV, ISV, NABRE, NJB, NET, Passion, and we're going to touch on the Berean Bible. So those are about 19 versions we're going to cover pretty quickly today. And then later on, I'm going to go into more detail about the King James Version and its history and how it got to be where it is today. So that's that's a whole nother video. But we are going to touch on it in our discussion of all of these different versions. And now what about study Bibles? What's the difference between a regular Bible and a study Bible? Well, when translators translate the Bible, they may add footnotes for clarity, but they're not going to add commentary on how to apply that verse or um, cultural idioms or or anything like that. They're very focused on just getting the translation correct. Study Bibles add all sorts of detail. They add um, maps, geography. They talk about the people involved. Um, they may describe what the idioms mean. They may give introductions to the books that talk about who wrote it and when and why and who they're writing it to. Um, and when you're choosing these things, we're going to talk about how to choose a good study Bible at the end. And then at the very end, I'm going to tell you my favorites. So let's get into how to choose a Bible. Well, first of all, you need to know your, your preferred reading level. Are you looking for something very easy to read, to sit down and just read for pleasure? Are you looking for something to read to your child or with your child or someone who has reading difficulties? Or are you looking some, for something that is extremely proper in depth, careful for study, something you're going to dig into word for word, verse by verse? That makes a big difference. For example, if you're looking for something to read with your children, for example, they have something called the, the Children's Bible. I believe it's the ICB, International Children's Bible. But I prefer the NIRV. It's the New International Reader's Version. I believe it's for about third grade reading level. Um, now, again, this is not something to use as your primary Bible. This is just something to help introduce your child into reading the Bible before they are able to read the, the more accurate versions. So um, I'll show you that. Let me grab one for you. So this, this is the NIRV. It's the Adventure Bible for early readers. This is the one I use with my son. And as you can see, it's very easy to read. You know, lots of white space, very little commentary. And what commentary it is, is very simple. It's definitely made for early elementary. That's what I would recommend this for, early, early to mid elementary. I really enjoyed that. And honestly, I really like coming back to this one just as a, you know, as a fun little, let's see what they say, because it really is when a person translates a Bible, there is a lot of opinion in there. And that's why you want the strongest scholars involved in your translations. So it's, it's just kind of neat to, for me to go to that. Um, okay. 
Now, for those who are a little bit older or are looking for something a little bit more accurate, I recommend the um, NLT, New Living Translation. Again, this is not one that I would use for strong study, but I love this one for just sitting down and reading. Like as a family, if I want to sit down and read as a family. So let me show you that one. Um, oh, I've got one right here. I already pulled that one. So this is the New Living Translation. Okay. It's so easy to read. It is very easy to read. <laughs> Sorry, the puppies are playing. Let me introduce you to puppy number one. We have three, so it gets a little wild in here. Okay, so let's get into the details. Where to start? If you're looking to just start reading the Bible and you've never read the Bible before, and you've never bought a Bible before, I would probably, and you've got a strong reading level, I would start with the New Living Translation just because of the ease of reading. You're not gonna get intimidated running into things you don't really understand. And I would start with the Gospels. So that's just a little aside there. All right. Let's talk about the King James Version. The King James Version. All right. It was compiled in 1611. And like I said, it only can, it was only translated from about six Greek texts, um, but it was not translated directly from the original languages. That's, you really want to be translating from the original languages to the modern language for a lot of reason, reasons, but most importantly for accuracy. Okay, some intermediaries, some, some Bibles that they used to help come up with the King James Version were the Bishop Bible, the Tyndale Bible, and the Geneva Bible. Um, so Erasmus compiled um, six Greek sources. The problem is Revelation only had one Greek source, <laughs> one Greek source. But as he gets to it, he finds out some of the pages had fallen out of the back. So what is he going to do? He goes to the Latin version and kind of guessed at what the last verses were based on, you know, other context. Um, the problem is those translations, they're, they're terrible. Um, these, these translations don't match anything else. Um, for example, he wrote Book of Life instead of Tree of Life, uh, just all sorts of things. Um, And so what they did is they loved this version. This version became so popular that what they did is they took this English translation that's in, you know, fancy language. It's beautiful. It's a work of art, guys. The King James Version, if nothing else, is a work of art. It's beautiful. And they translated it back to Greek. And they called that translation the Textus Receptus. That's not how you're supposed to do it. You're not supposed to take your translation and flip it back to Greek to give it um, some sense of accuracy. That's kind of deceptive. So if you see that, that the te Textus Receptus was used for a translation, you know it was based on the King James Version that was, that was not as accurate. Okay, so let's go back to methodology. It's a very literal translation. Um, it really enhances the literary character and it's just a beautiful work of art. That's how I would think of it. 
I would not use it as my primary source. While it's beautiful and while it's a work of art, we have discovered manuscripts since that time that have provided more accuracy. Now, remember, we're not, we're not being, our goal is not tradition. Our goal is not to honor a tradition. And I know it is so much fun memorizing Bible verses in the King James Version because they're beautiful. These and thous and shouts, and it's just gorgeous. And it makes it a little bit easier to memorize because it's so different. But our goal is not to honor a tradition. Our goal is to honor God and the message that he sent to the original authors. So we need to focus on accuracy. Now, if you're a King James Version only person, I would rather you use that than not use anything. Um, it is still a great version of the Bible, just not the most accurate. So it's fine if that's something you choose. But keep it, I want you to choose it with open eyes and know what you're choosing. And that's fine. I'm just giving you the information. Um, let's see. Lots of the words that they used don't exist anymore or have changed. Um, I mean, just words that sound normal that mean something completely different. Like um, instant. When they use the word instant, it doesn't mean right now. It means insistent. And when they use words like... Um, Carriages, we may think of like a carriage. No, they mean luggage. There's all sorts of words like that, that we can misinterpret the Bible if we're not careful. Then let's look at the new King James Version. That is actually based on the King James Version. It's a 1982 rendition. Um, they took the same textual basis and used the King James Version um, it is more accurate than the King James Version because they have updated the language. You don't have the risk of running into words that have changed meaning. <laughs> Hi. Um, it is an update to the King James Version, so it's still word for word or what we call formal equivalence. Um, it's a good translation, but it doesn't have that beauty. And if you're going for beauty, if you're going for art, if you're going for something to memorize because you like the way it sounds... I don't really see the point of the new King James Version. If you're going to go just for the art, go for the art. If you're going for accuracy, we can do a little bit better on accuracy. It is a good translation. Um, and it, the footnotes do talk about where manuscripts disagree. Um, and they show where they've added words. So just be careful when you're reading that one. Watch for, um, watch for the footnotes. Um, related is the RSV. And that was written in 1952, and they used the King James Version as a starting point, but instead of just using the King James Version, uh, they used a different textual basis. They used all of the updated manuscripts they had found up until that point. So it leaves out verses that are not in the Greek originals. That's something people find. They'll look at the King James Version and these updated versions and say, well, they've left out versions of the Bible. Well... They've left out versions that were in the King James, but if you're comparing it to the original, the King James added verses that weren't supposed to be there because over time, scribes had added them. So we're going for accuracy, not tradition. The RSV is a really good middle ground between word for word and thought for thought, but it kind of leans word for word. Um, 
people at the time when it was released were a little shocked, thought it was a little bit, uh, a little bit too thought for thought compared to what they were used to, but it's a good translation. Um, in many ways, it does have the same feel of the King James and it, that helped it. Um, it uses those these and thou's and shouts and shall not, um, it left out the story of John 53, uh, John 7, 53, 8 to 11. I'm sorry. It left out the story of John 7, 53 to 8, 11, which is the story of the woman caught in adultery. But people threw a fit, so they put it back in. Um, and this Bible is no longer in print. The RSV is no longer in print. Then we have the NRSV. That's the updated version of the RSV. It was put together in 1989, so pretty recent, and it was an updated RSV. So they used the the updated Greek manuscripts of the time, so that's good. Um, but it was more dynamic. So remember, we've got word for word and thought for thought, and dynamic is kind of in the middle trying to balance the two, which is good because you do need to balance the two. <laughs> Okay, let's try this again. All right, let's talk about the NRSV. In 1989, they updated the RSV, which remember is no longer in print because they've updated it to the NRSV. It is updated. It uses the more up-to-date uh, manuscripts and it's more dynamic. Remember, <laughs> Let's start over. Okay, let's talk about the NRSV. This is the updated version of the RSV, and this is why the RSV is no longer in print. The NRSV is the updated RSV from 1989. They used the most recent Greek manuscripts, so it's good and accurate. And remember, word for word is like on a continuum to thought for thought. And in between, you have what we call a dynamic. It tries to balance thought for thought and word for word, which is good. It's, it's good. You don't want to get too word for word because then you get real rigid and you lose a little bit of the, the, the feeling behind it. And if you go too thought for thought, you can lose a little bit of the accuracy and the nuance. So trying to balance that is really hard. Um, it, it kept in all of the, um, Let's see. It had a lot of. Okay. Let's talk about the NRSV. This is the updated version of the RSV. It was updated in 1989. Remember, the RSV was from 1952, so there's considerable time. Um, they used the most recent Greek manuscript, so that's good for accuracy purposes. It's more dynamic. Um, remember, you've got word for word which tries to get the most accurate translation as far as word by word by word, and then thought for thought, which takes the thought and tries to translate it as they believe the person writing it meant. And dynamic is kind of in the middle, and the NRSV was kind of in the middle. The problem is it was a more liberal translation, um, religiously, not politically. Um, when I say liberal uh, or conservative, I'm talking religiously. It included more gender inclusive terms, 
Like when they say anthropos, which means men, all men, humanity, sometimes it just means men, and sometimes it means men and women. Um, sometimes when they say brothers, that can mean just brothers or brothers and sisters. Um, and language is, is changing. They went too far with it, though. They went too far with it. Um, they changed things that really shouldn't have been changed to try to push their doctrine. For example, 1 Timothy 3.2, they translated to indicate that there could be female bishops um, because they were trying to push that point of view. Now, I'm not saying one way or another on that, uh, but it's still a pretty good dynamic translation, but we've got better. Let's talk about the NASB. This is one of my favorites. Um, in 1995, they use the most recent Greek manuscripts, and they go as far word for word as possible. My seminary only allowed us to use this version, the NASB or the ESV. They only allowed the NASB and the ESV because they're the most word for word. They use the most up-to-date manuscripts, right? The NASB was really well received. Um, it's scholarly. That's if you're doing scholastic work, if you're going deep into the Bible, if you're preaching verse by verse, word by word, you want as close to word for word as possible without losing the ability to read it comfortably. Um, this one is a little bit more wooden, a little bit less smooth than the ESV, which is why I prefer the ESV. The ESV came out six years later in 2001 using the most recent Greek manuscripts. It used the RSV as a base text, but updated it and made it more correct. They used the most recent Greek text to make it as accurate as possible. And it's essentially literal. It's word for word for word. Um, but slightly less than the NASB. I, I like it a little bit better. It is absolutely one of my favorites and i have the most versions of that because not only did my seminary use it but my church uses it so i've got a beautiful um heirloom version if you can see that it's readable it's very readable i mean it's not as i'm gonna sit down and read for hours as the nlt but it's more accurate word for word. Um, it was really praised. A lot of people who liked the NASB switched over because um, they did a really good job with it. It's not gender neutral, but they call it gender accurate. There's really no agenda behind it. It's, um, it's just a really accurate translation. They used a, a group of scholars that I respect that came together and worked really hard to get it right. And it's, it's my favorite as far as study. If I'm going to do something serious with the Bible, I'm going to use my ESV as my primary. Another version I really like is the Holman Christian Standard Bible. They took out the Holman and now it's just the Christian Standard Bible. Um, it came out in 2004 and I believe has been updated. I'm not sure if they just changed the name or if they updated it at all, but it's brand new. Um, and they just went straight out of the original language. And I, I love that. It's what they call an optimal equivalent. So we've got ESV and NASB as word for word. Um, we've got NLT, which is more thought for thought. 
right? And this is kind of in the middle, it's the CSB. They call it optimal equivalence. As they try to, every one of them try to sound, you know, perfect. Um, they, they used over a hundred scholars and 17 different denominations to bring this together. I've often heard this one called the Southern Baptist Bible. I grew up Southern Baptist. I am Southern Baptist. Um, so I'm surprised my church doesn't use it. Um, and it is a great translation. A lot of families I know use it because it is a little bit easier to read than the ESV, but it's a little bit more word for word than the NLT. So I recommend that one as well. Tons of footnotes throughout, um, especially when they have to lean more thought for thoughts. Um, they just, they did a really, really good job with it. They, let's see what else. Okay, let's talk about the NIV. That's probably the most popular English translation in the world for a reason. The original 1984 translation is the translation I grew up on. I've got my original Bible back there from the 1984 version. Um, but because it's so popular, people love to attack this Bible. It's more phrase for phrase, but it's in the middle. So you've got word for word, thought for thought, and it's in the middle, slightly toward thought for thought. Um, it's really clear and, and good for deep study. But because it's in the middle, you're going to have to balance it. Um, they updated The problem is they updated it. They updated it in 2005 to the TNIV, today's New International Version. And did lots of gender changes with it that people that was real liberal people didn't like. And so they took it off, they stopped the TNIV, and then they retranslated, they came out with a new translation in 2011, and just called it the NIV. And you can no longer get the 1984 version, you can only get the 2011 version that's on sale today. Um, and, and, and it's good translation. But people criticize it for a little bit of the gender stuff again. And I don't, I'm back and forth on whether or not I agree. But I still prefer the 1984 version. And so I will always keep my 1984 versions and I, I look for them when I can find them to make sure because the 1984 version was a fantastic translation. Um, but I do have to be careful because I don't want to be a slave to my tradition. I want to be a slave to God, I want to be a servant of his and honor his message more than my tradition. So let's go to the next group, the Living Bible. In 1971, they came out with a paraphrase of the American Standard Version. Now keep in mind, the Living Bible is not a translation. It's a paraphrase. Now a paraphrase is far more, you have word for word, thought for thought, and then paraphrases way off in left field, not translating for accuracy, translating for the feel of what they think the person was saying. So it should not be your primary study Bible by any stretch. Billy Graham really liked it, really liked it. But I don't want you again, we're, we're not a slave to Billy Graham and his thoughts. And he, he probably 
popularized it for a reason because it makes the Bible accessible to people who wouldn't normally read a Bible. But when we're going to the Bible, I want to go to the Bible. I want to go to the Bible that God wanted me to have. So what they did in 1996, they came out with the New Living Translation. And this is more phrase for phrase than the NIV. So you've got the NIV in the middle and more phrase for phrase is the NLT. And I love the NLT because it avoids theological terms. They use lots of footnotes. Um, and it's great for reading. It's great for sitting down and just reading the Bible. If you're reading through the Bible in a year, highly recommend the NLT. It is far more digestible that way. Um, really good choices. Um, they did choose word for word where they could, thought for thought where they thought it was best. It's a wonderful Bible to have on your shelf. But if you only have one Bible, you've got to be careful about which one you choose based on what you're going to do with it. So we'll talk about that. I want to talk about the message by Eugene Peterson. It's like that living Bible paraphrase, but even even farther, it's not even a translation. It's barely a paraphrase. Um, if you compare the English Standard Version to the message, you're going to get a completely different thing. It's not it's not to be used as a Bible. It can be used as a resource just to read it, but don't take that as your standard. Um, the New World Translation is the Jehovah's Witness translation. It has been called the worst translation because their goal was not accuracy. Their goal was to make the Bible line up with their uh, Jehovah's Witness doctrines. Um, it's more word for word than King James, but it's got really bad English. The people who translated it don't know Greek or Hebrew very well. It's supposedly anonymous. Those who translated it, but um, the New World Translation is the Jehovah's Witness version of the Bible, and I wouldn't even call it a Bible. It's the first version that ever was translated and edited, it was edited to match Jehovah Witness doctrine. It's not written for accuracy, it's written to match their doctrine. Now we are supposed to look at the Bible and build our doctrine based on that. They went the other way. They took their doctrine and tried to make the Bible match their doctrine. So do not use this as a Bible. Their translators didn't know Greek very well, it's clumsy, um, the English is not very accurate. Um, they mess with the text. It's just a bad translation. It's underhanded. And those who did it knew it. Those who push this Bible know that it is just absolutely awful. So I want you to make sure you avoid that. Don't think that's a legitimate translation. We've talked about the NIRV. Let's talk about some of the Catholic versions. You've got the um, NABRI, the New American Bible Revised Edition. <laughs> Whew, that's an acronym. It's used in all American Catholic churches. Um, it is. It includes the Apocrypha because it's Catholic, and it, it's based on some of the newer, the newer Greek texts. Um, there are multiple editions with tons of retranslations, but the one out now tends to be more thought for thought, um, even beyond the NIV. It is very liberal with the gender thing. Um, 
Um, let's see here. It's not a translation you should count on. The footnotes are liberal and the footnotes themselves have a lot of anti-Catholic tendencies is really really strange um for example one of their footnotes is that moses didn't write the pentateuch and that theory has been thoroughly debunked over and over but i don't know why they would include stuff like that just to give you an example um then we've got the new jerusalem bible again that includes the apocrypha it's like the second most popular catholic bible um I like how Mike Winger said this. He said it's similar to having a liberal unbeliever write your study notes for your Bible. Not what you're looking for, guys. Um, Then you've got the NET Bible, N-E-T Bible. That's a free online Bible. It's a decent translation. Um, Lots of footnotes. Then there's the Passion. I don't know if you've heard about the Passion translation. Um, It's absolute garbage. It is not a translation of the Bible. It was written by one person, which is a red flag. You should have a committee of scholars looking at these things. And instead you have one person who does not have enough educational background to be writing, uh, to be translating an entire Bible, um, especially alone. Um, Seminarians, seminary teachers say it's garbage. Simmons, the guy who uh, who wrote it, Brian Simmons, um, says that God took him up to heaven and gave him a vision. Said he was given secrets of Hebrew and Greek. That God expanded his mind. An angel touched him and gave him understanding of how to translate Romans. Red flags everywhere, guys red flags ever secret knowledge revealed god doesn't keep knowledge from you about the bible there's no secret knowledge to be revealed that's a heresy that dates back to the early christians called gnosticism that was involved secret knowledge that had to be revealed by special people and you had to pay for it and i'll get into that one day it's absolutely wild you guys but anyway i want you to avoid the passion and one more book, one more version I want to tell you about is the Berean Bible, BS. It's called the Berean Study Bible, but it's not really a study Bible. I'm starting to look at that. I like it. I don't know too much about it, but so far so good. I'm enjoying reading from it. So let's talk about study Bibles. All right. Now, if you are looking for a Bible to keep forever, if you're looking for a Bible to be an heirloom to pass down to your children, first of all, you're going to be spending some money on it. Second of all, you don't want to do it in a study Bible version. Your study Bible should be something that you you highlight in, you write in, you're, you're using it as a tool to learn the Bible. And remember, we don't worship the Bible. We worship the God who gave us the Bible. Be careful not to become someone who worships a Bible. It can become an idol to a lot of people. Don't be afraid if it's one that you want to use to write and to write in it. It's there for you to get closer to God and grow in your relationship. Okay, back to study Bibles. This is my ESV. It's a crossway heirloom Bible. And it is absolutely beautiful. Um... And what you will notice is that it's um, the Heirloom Bible Heritage Edition by Crossway. 
And what you'll notice is the leather is beautiful, but you'll also notice that it is not a study Bible. The reason is that your study Bible is the study notes are not scripture. They're not inspired word. They are scholars words to help you understand the inspired word. So you're going to want to get lots of different scholars to tell you the best things that you can possibly learn about the Bible. And you're going to want to continue to grow and read lots of different scholars. So if you're looking for one just to have as a family Bible or an heirloom Bible, you're not going to want to use a study version. Now that said, for those of you who are looking to learn the Bible, I can't recommend a study Bible enough. And I will give you some recommendations of my favorite. As you can see, I've bought just about everyone out there. I have really, really spent some money on Bibles over the years. Um, so I want to help you avoid that. Here's another heirloom Bible. This is the New Living Translation. So my two favorites. Um, my number one is the ESV, the English Standard. Remember, it's the word for word, really accurate, but still pretty easy to read. And then if I want to just read for the Bible for fun, I'm going to use the NLT. So I think those are two great versions to have. If I had to choose a third, it would be the, the Holman Christian Standard or the CSB Bible because it's kind of nicely in the middle. And because they, they monkeyed with the NIV with the gender stuff, and I, you know, I've got my 84, but I can't really recommend it because it's out of print. I would recommend the Holman Christian Standard Bible. It's a beautiful in the middle. So I guess I should rearrange that. I guess I should rearrange that. So if number one should be ESV. And then probably the Holman Christian Standard in the middle. And then if you're looking for a Bible, just to read through the NLT. Because you could also do that with a Christian Standard Bible, um, but it's just slightly more word for word. So those are, those are the top three that I would recommend. The Berean I'm looking at on the side. Study Bibles can be wonderful. They're full of notes. If Because we're, we're trying to bridge many years and many cultural and many geographical distances to understand what was going on. We need people who have studied that. We need people who know what was going on during the culture of that time, what was relevant, what the person would have understood, how they would have taken things, what would have been on their mind. And you get that from study notes. And there's lots of different ways to get study notes. The easiest is obviously the study Bible. So my number one favorite study Bible is the ESV study Bible. Let me show you. Okay. You can get this in lots of different uh, ways. This is probably one of the most popular study Bibles available. And I got a nice leather version because I'm a a stinker for shopping and it is so soft guys this is a crossway but see how much bigger it is this is hefty if you're going to be lugging this around everywhere i would get a smaller version but this is my at home version but take a look you've got maps you've got color you've got footnotes all over the place and i don't want you to be afraid to highlight or to take pencil or uh, special pens that are good for the Bible and just dive in. They make highlighters that are specifically for Bibles. Highly recommend those. Definitely get highlighters that are made for your Bible. If I make notes, I usually do it in pencil because it's easy to erase and it doesn't bleed through the pages. So those are that's my number one study Bible. I've got a couple other study Bibles I like and I recommend. 
This is the hardback version of the NIV Theological Study Bible. And I know it's not my favorite version, but it's still a great version. I'd say it's number four. Um, and this, I think, has the most study notes available in a study Bible. Tons of pictures, lots of notes, really well done. So when I'm pulling out my study Bible, I'm pulling out my ESV study Bible, pulling out my NIV theological study Bible, and I'm pulling out my It must be in use somewhere. Yeah, it's in use somewhere. Well, the NLT, the NLT Illustrated Study Bible is downstairs because my son is using it because it's wonderful. It's easy to read and has tons of of pictures and maps and it really helps you. One more Bible I want to go over with you before we end is the Interlinear Bible. An Interlinear Bible. I recommend if you can and if you're interested to familiar, familiarize yourself with the ancient languages. Learn the alphabets, learn some of the basic rules, and then get something like an Interlinear because what that's going to do is it's going to help you compare whatever you're reading with the original. So, for example, you're going to have the Greek, you're going to have the Greek translation, and then you usually have the English translation off to the side. So that gives you as close to the original as you can get without having to translate it yourself. So highly recommend those for serious study. So again, my number one study Bible is the ESV study Bible, the NLT illustrated study Bible, the NIV theological study Bible, um, as far as just translations, ESV, NLT, Christian standard, right? Um, and for serious Study for those who want to at least familiarize themselves with the language. The interlinears are wonderful. There are also parallel Bibles that will have several different versions next to each other. That's a wonderful idea because it's best to get as many as you can. When I'm studying the Bible, I don't ever just use one translation, no matter how much I like it. I will always pull out at least three when I'm looking for really good quality study. So keep that in mind. And be open to new translations as they come out, as we discover more and more um, ancient Greek manuscripts. I mean, we've got them down to just right after Jesus was resurrected. We've got them from the early first century, late second century. I mean, that is right there, guys. Over 5,800 manuscripts. We have so much information. We know our translations of the Bibles are so accurate. And even with all of this update, the messages haven't really changed. Just kind of the, the way we translate the, the different things have updated. And our goal is accuracy. And our goal is to get closer to God. And our goal is to learn. And I want to really help you with that. And I hope that this has helped 
save you some time and some money. Check out uh, Blue Letter Bible, check out Bible Gateway, check out um, Bible Hub, I think is one. There's lots of resources online that can have online versions of these that you can access. Some of them even have free commentary. So check out that, see what you can find. And I'll see you guys next time. Thanks for joining me. Bye.